0: The Pharmacy Podcast Network is proud to present this special episode, Bruce Nealon's 50th episode of the Pharmacy Crossroads podcast. The PPN would like to congratulate Bruce for this stellar achievement as one of the network's most popular hosts. Join us for this entertaining yet informative episode and be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms so you don't miss future episodes.
1: To the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
0: This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the Road Trip Guy, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland.
2: Hey, hello everybody, this is Bruce Neeland, bringing you another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. Today, we're doing something completely different. About 11 years ago, one of the joys of my career has been that my daughter, Robin Amberg, many of you know, uh, joined me in the industry, not with me, but joined in the industry, and for 11 years now, it's been my pleasure to uh, run into Robin at trade shows and to talk shop with her. family events, and all those kinds of things. And she shared an idea with me a couple weeks ago that I'm going to let her share with you. So Robin, say hello to the Pharmacy Crossroads podcast listeners and take over.
1: Thanks, Dad. It is um, great to be here. We've done a few of these in the past, and it's always fun to be able to do another one and, and join you. So like you said, I, I think it's um been fun as I've gotten into the industry and and had an opportunity to meet people. And when they learn that I'm your daughter, they'll be like, oh yeah, I, I know Bruce. I've heard him, I listened to his podcast, I've read his articles. But they're they don't necessarily know your history and why as a non-pharmacist, you've been able to make yourself as kind of a speaker and representative and consultant into this industry. So I thought it would be really fun um, since you've been doing this now for, I think, over 40 years to kind of give the new people in the industry an idea of where you come from, what you've done and why it impacts their business. And you've been able to help them succeed. So- that was my idea. Well, so that's my favorite
2: do. subject, me. So yeah, let's go ahead. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm fascinated to kind of to kind of. I mean, it won't be down memory lane. I know we chatted about that. I want to try to pick out tidbits of things that that I've done that lead to things that uh, that I share with pharmacy owners that helps make them more successful because. That's the ultimate goal of this podcast show is to help pharmacy owners figure out new, more and better ways to, to to serve patients and make a profit. So we'll, 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 we'll package that with a little bit of history, but the, the goal will be to share insights and tidbits. OK,
1: that sounds great. So kind of jumping in, if I if I remember um, from where you started fresh out of college, Um, which kind of goes along the path of why you get to be doing what you're doing, because you have lived in a variety of places, started college in Utah. Your first job was actually doing pharma sales, right? Pharmaceutical sales for the drug company. That that. was me.
2: Um, You were there. You were one (laughs) and a half years old when we moved from Provo, Utah to Fargo, North Dakota, where I started selling for Pfizer pharmaceuticals. Um, And it was an interesting career choice. I have no science in my educational background, Um, but uh, I have the ability to get along with people and open doors. And so I, uh, I picked up a bag and sold for Pfizer. We did that in North Dakota for two and a half years. I was good at it, but I never liked it. Got a promotion and we moved to St. Louis. And then that's when my big career opportunity arose. And um, I, I met a man, uh, quite frankly, he was the father of your babysitter. We got acquainted uh, by the name of Don Benham, and there'll be some old timers who remember the Don Benham name. He was the director of operations for Medicine Shop International, um, yeah, based out of St. Louis, and he recruited me to come to work to be a store opening specialist for Medicine Shop in like 1978.
1: Yeah, all right. So that that's fun because I forgot that's how you do. How I called Donnie, but yeah, Don Benham. Okay. So yeah, so you started with Medicine Shop, which today is part of the you know franchise PSAO brand under Cardinal, but back then they were their own entity themselves. Yeah, they were correct? owned, frankly,
2: by a, a handful of doctors. And um the, the fun part about Medicine Shop and and it, it was the 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 joy of my career change. With with Pfizer, I had to call on doctors and try to sell four or five. Uh, medications, whether the doctor needed them or not. But when I when I jumped over to the the the, to the pharmacy piece, what I loved was the pharmacist had thousands of products that he could work with physicians and help pick the right one for the patient, not the one the sales rep was trying to sell. And and that was one of the fun 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 things about medicine shop was they really taught their pharmacy owners to get involved with physicians and that uh, not be afraid to help make uh, recommendations to doctors back then. And for some of the young pharmacists, th- th- there will be a couple things that I think that they will be shocked to learn. In 1978, when a pharmacist filled a prescription for a patient, it was unethical for the pharmacist to tell the patient what it was for. So the pharmacist needed to kind of be blinded and fill the prescription uh, and, and give it to the patient. But it was the doctor who told them how to take it and what it was for. But the medicine shop people were not afraid to help pharmacists figure out to have the pharmacist call the doctor and make suggestions, which was very bold at the time. Interesting.
0: Provider status for pharmacists is slowly being granted state by state. Opportunities for reimbursement for clinical services are growing, but not nearly fast enough. Introducing Provider CSAO, a company whose vision is to help more pharmacists to provide more clinical services and get reimbursed for it. Take matters into your own hands and get contracted as a medical provider in the private insurance market with Provider CSAO. We manage the credentialing and contracting process so you can focus on transforming your clinical practice. Don't wait for permission to get paid for the services you already provide. Visit ProviderCSAO.com to learn more. That's ProviderCSAO.com to learn more.
1: And if I remember correctly, I I mean, I remember a few times there was a medicine shop van, logoed van in our driveway. But didn't you also, as you do new store openings, help them do community outreach programs? Or some sort of different type it of It was planet. it
2: was an MBA in pharmacy marketing and management. So I, I got trained in, in uh how to use profit and loss statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements. And, and that was how we worked with the pharmacy owners, was to help them manage their inventory and 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 you know manage their expenses and all those kinds of things. But more more fun for me was the marketing part. So uh, you know when when I went and visited a pharmacy when I opened a pharmacy you know I'd spend half my day out of the pharmacy knocking on doors, calling on the senior citizen center, visiting with physicians, uh, talking to the to the uh, other retailers right in the same block with the pharmacy, and and we had programs for cross retail marketing. We had programs for professional courtesy discounts for. So we'd go to the doctor's office and give the the staff a, a little ID card and they could come in and they could buy their personal medications, you know, at a discount. And, um, you know, it was just a very elaborate and sophisticated interweaving of marketing tools, guerrilla marketing. Now, we weren't buying ads in the newspaper, but it was shoe leather marketing. Get out of the store and and go call on people and And the medicine shop template was open at 10 and close at six. And the open at 10 part was we expected the pharmacist to spend time from 830 to 930 out in the community uh, networking with people. And um, it's a very hard thing to get them to do. And, And one of my favorite lines and, and I live with this all the time is in training school when we would explain, you know, these 8, 10, 12 things, how to put together screenings, how to put together cross retail marketing promotions. You know, the pharmacist in the class would would say that's great for when I'm opening, but how long do I need to do that? And the expectation was that the trainer would say, well, six months to a year, you know, and then you can stop doing it. But the answer was you need to do it until you want to do it. And then you get to do it. You don't have to do it. And and the idea was, is you do it all the time. So learning to call on doctors um, from a pharmacist standpoint was a key, uh, a key aspect of the, of the medicine shop franchise back in the seventies and eighties when I was there. And, and as I look at pharmacies today and see what they need to do, Uh, They need to get out of the pharmacy and go call on doctors and referral sources and build demand for their you know, for their non-traditional services. Um, So, you know, the the tactics have changed, but the principle is the same. I've created this little statement that I've shared with people in my CE programs that at any one time, there are more people outside of your pharmacy than there are inside your pharmacy. If you want more people to come in, get out and go meet them so that's a key takeaway for anybody listening today you've got to network in the community
1: yeah and you may say that the tactics may have changed i think there's new added tactics but i would i would suggest that the same ones you did in the late 70s early 80s are still just as viable today so getting like you said Talking to people, talking to your retailers, I love it. I think it's a, it's
2: a, it's an amazing tool. So that is that is fun. So, um, so I spent uh, seventy eight to eighty four with Medicine Shop, and and enjoyed it. But uh, towards the end, they asked me to take on a couple responsibilities of creating uh, buying opportunities. We had in in 84, we would have had seven, 800 pharmacies, which pretty big deal back then. Eckert's or CVS might've had three or 400. Um, And and we realized that we wanted to put together some buying opportunities. And one of the first tasks I had was to approach wholesalers who had a significant regional presence and uh, cut a deal with them for them to, Provide better pricing and better services for the for the medicine shops, and and that led to what I, what was my major career advancement opportunity was. Of uh, getting recruited by the Foxmeyer drug company uh, back in 84 85 to to come to work for Health Mart the original Health Mart which was part of, of uh Foxmeyer so I, I we we moved to texas then in uh, like 1985 1986 i'm not sure you may remember it was a bigger deal in your life than i mean that was a major change for you
1: yeah, yeah, I actually think we pulled out in a snowstorm on my yeah. birthday, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, so Fox Meyer Drug, which again, um, Health Mart, which we now know is part of the Kessin, um franchise brand. But so what did you get to do there then with Foxmire? That was so exciting. That was a well, then, bit
2: and this is where the career got complicated. I'm not a pharmacist. I got my degree in public relations from Brigham Young University, but I, I came to work for Foxmire for the health mark and my card said I was the director of pharmacy operations. Um, and and that led to some uh, some confusion with people calling me a pharmacist, thinking I was a pharmacist, getting uh, written up in in magazines uh, with RPH behind my name, and and I had to work pretty hard to to kind of quench that. But yeah, my job at Health Mart to begin with was bringing um, pharmacy services to the Foxmire or the Health Mart franchise. Which at that time was a front end focus piece. In order to be a health mart, you needed to have twenty five hundred square feet of selling space. Um, you needed to put in a red, white, and blue logo, uh, you know trade dress, and you needed to run six or eight monthly you know four page, four color circular. So it was a front end program but that they had ignored the back end or the pharmacy so i came in and and tried to bring some uh, excitement to the pharmacy department started out with teaching them how to teaching pharmacists how to price prescriptions uh, back in the 80s everybody paid cash and the classic conundrum for uh, an independent pharmacy was the general idea was to take the drug, no matter what it cost, and double the price, and that's what you sold it for. And the chains were coming in and starting to do dynamic pricing or smart pricing. So they would take uh, the medications that people took again and again and again and sell them at a 20 or 30% margin and then charge 70 or 80% margin on simple one-time things like cough syrups with codeine. And and that was a a tough concept to try to tell pharmacists that it was legal, ethical, moral, and appropriate to, you know, to not just double the price on everything. And, um, you know, and it it helped them get better positioned as competitive price wise with uh, with the chain. So that was the first big goal. And then the next one was at Medicine Shop. Our our key thing was doing these free blood pressure screenings and and eye tests mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And what I soon realized was that didn't duplicate to a traditional independent pharmacy very well because they just weren't set up to do it. And the big genius move of my career in that day was coming up with what we called the Health Mart. Caravan, And it was a big horse trailer that we dressed up with the Health Mart logo and put an inflatable balloon on the top. And we drove that thing around to Health Marts all across the country and did screenings in the parking lot of the pharmacies. And the key thing back in 87, 88, uh, we we had incorporated a finger stick cholesterol test, and it was just the beginning of the time when the news was talking about the problem with cholesterol. And we'd have three, four hundred people come out into the parking lot of one of our Health Mart stores to get their cholesterol tested. Um, and that worked out exceptionally well. Uh, I got a couple of promotions there, ended up being uh, the vice president of franchise development for Health Mart. Okay. When I was invited to leave, like in 1994, 1995, and um, that's when the family moved to Washington, D.C. to work for the National Wholesale Druggist Association, which was fascinating, but it wasn't where my heart was. I was there for a few years when I got invited to go to Amerisource and run their family pharmacy uh, program. So. The little secret there is I've been with Medicine Shop, I've been with Health Mart, I've been with Family Pharmacy, which is now Good Neighbor Pharmacy. So I've run the trifecta with pharmacy uh, franchise programs.
1: Yeah, well, and I want to go back to, which is kind of interesting today, but I do want to go back to something that you said that, I again, translates similar to your marketing kind of initiatives, but the the clinic concepts, right? So the caravans and yep. recognizing, again, even back in the 80s, that pharmacists could play a role in patient care. Um, they weren't set up in their pharmacies to do it. So you found a solution, which was bringing the clinic out, right? But then, but so now, obviously, we talk a lot about how that's going to be a key component to pharmacy success is bringing the clinic inside their four walls um even more important than front-end space right like t- doing that patient care but then you are also kind of the launch of point of care testing yeah. right with the with the cholesterol sticks and 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 how amazing it is that again we're still right back where pharmacists yeah. have always needed I to did. be um it's just continuing the to evolve first-
2: finger stick cholesterol test in the country and yeah it was like 1986 80 85 86 it was pretty novel thing back then and like exactly to the point so the, you know the idea the idea was you can fill more prescriptions if you find people who have a problem that can be treated with a prescription so you know it, it it's uh you know uh, those kinds of things helped build the the professional prestige of the pharmacist. I mean, how cool was it when a pharmacist could call up the doctor and say, hey, I just did a test on Mrs. Jones and her cholesterol is 250. And, uh, you know, can I send her over to see you? That was just huge for Elevating the 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 prestige and the collaboration between the 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 pharmacist and the physician in the community.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that's amazing. And you know, I was going to ask you, um, you know, what you think has been the areas that you've enjoyed most in in your career. I mean, I'm I'm going to take a guess just based on listening to you. I mean, I think you're your interest in helping these pharmacies do more, do better. um, Seems like it gives you a lot of excitement and, and pride and, and collaboration. But I mean, what would you say are some of the things that you've enjoyed most about your your career? It's
2: easy to tell you the thing I enjoyed the least was spending lonely nights in hotel rooms. And, um, you know, I, I think there's an, an awful lot of, industry salespeople who, you know, who the pharmacists meet at trade shows and, you know, they're happy and they're go lucky and they're delighted to see them. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, a little compassion on the pharmacy owners for recognizing the price these guys pay to be there, these guys and gals. Um, But, you know, to to your point of your question, it is those relationships. um, You know, I I'm trying to remember. I ran into ran into a guy about ten years ago. Uh, this is the, this is the most remarkable story. So in in. 2000, or in 1978, I opened my first medicine shop pharmacy in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, and I was so new and I was so confused. I was there with somebody else. I forgot where that pharmacy was. I knew it was somewhere in Pennsylvania. You know, 30 years later, we moved to Pennsylvania and, and I've got a daughter going to a little state college in central Pennsylvania, and I drive out there one day to see her. And on the way home, it's a beautiful day. I just take the unbeaten path and drive home. And I come through Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, and there I see a little medicine shop pharmacy. This is 30 years later. And I go in to see if the owner is there, Who and and he's not. But the lady who's working the counter says, let me call him and um, she gets on the phone and calls him and says, hey, there's a guy named Bruce Nealand here wants to know if you're available. And he just, I can hear him laughing on the phone. And um, I walk me, he says, come behind the counter and talk on the phone. And and I say, hi, you know, I don't even remember your name. I was here, I, I you know, and he says, yeah, you want to see something? He said, open up or look on the side of the prescription counter where I have the Medicaid uh, memo and lift that up. And underneath that Medicaid memo was taped to the side of his pharmacy uh, workbench, a picture of the grand opening with me there cutting the, the blue ribbon on the pharmacy. <laughs> and, and you know, so I drove down and saw him at the other pharmacy. And, you know, and to be reunited with a guy like that who I had helped get started, he now owned two pharmacies in the area and was doing well. Uh, it was just a delight. So it's running across people from years ago who are doing well who who are happy to see me is one of the joys of my life
1: well for what it's worth there's a lot of them out there because that's been one of the most fun things i've gotten to do is to hear people tell the stories of how they know you so Um, it's a testament to the industry that everybody's still around um, for one but that's a fun that's a fun story so I mean outside of the relationships I'm sure you've had some funny things happen out on the field like you say you traveled a lot I grew up with you gone a lot as you visited pharmacies I visited pharmacies with you a lot as those became family vacations but any funny stories that you have that kind of happens while you are out working um,
2: you know funny is a is a weird definition i mean there, there there's at least one more that i'll share like the bill kennedy one um so uh, one of the, f- the strange things that will be hard for people to digest now with the way competitiveness is with, with wholesalers and their and their customers, but in the original health Mart program, uh, it was a, uh, it, it was a, we had requirements. We, we required people to do things. Otherwise they got kicked off the program. And I had to go to Oklahoma city. We were living in Dallas at the time, had to go to Oklahoma city at the time and kick a guy off the program who happened to be the distribution managers one of his largest accounts and this the backstory is is that he had migrated into doing nursing homes and was buying potloads of stuff and had kind of given up on the On the retail part of his pharmacy. So he wasn't doing our advertising circulars and he wasn't paying into the advertising fund. So I had to go up and and kick him off the program. And then after I kicked him off, I had to go back and tell the distribution center manager that, you know, we took your biggest customer off the Health Mart program and he's not happy and and you're likely to hear from him. You know, we had coordinated this ahead of time, but I was just telling him how it kind of went. And on the way home, I was nervous. Nervous that I was going to lose my job because this distribution center manager was going to go up the other chain of command and, and uh, you know, complain about me. I didn't do this on my own. I had been told to do it. But anyhow, the point is I'm sitting at a, at a red light Uh, getting ready to make the three-hour drive home with my head turning, the radio on, the air conditioner on. And then the next thing I know, I wake up in my car 100 feet down the railroad track, and I had stopped with the front end of my car on a railroad track, and a freight train came through and clobbered the car. I never saw it. I never heard it. It never scared me. But I got clobbered pretty good and, and uh, you know, ambulance to the hospital, treated at the hospital for some stitches, x-rays, and, and then got on an airplane and flew home. Um, you know, we're talking 85, 86 with you know blood all over my white shirt and in sports yes. coat, and not thinking anything of it, and my, my wife picks me up at the airport and just wonders what kind of idiot these people on the airplane thought I was. So that was that was one of the exciting experiences in traveling on the road.
1: <laughs> yes, I do remember, and to this day. I get to be one of the few that says my dad was hit by a train and survived. So um, that's good. Well, speaking of road trains and road trips. So, you know, I think in your latter part of your career, one of the things that you've gotten to be very well known for. And again, I think the the beauty and blessing of this in your life has been it's got to take you to do the thing you enjoyed most, which is the relationships and take it on the road. And, you know, we've kind of jokingly through friends I know, colleagues called you the Charles Caralt of pharmacy. Yep. Many people may not even know who <laughs> Charles Caralt is, but for those of you who do, you are the Charles Caralt. You've been able to figure out once you moved into your consulting world, how to actually get paid to travel and visit pharmacy. So how did that come up in, in your head as yeah, a way it? it to do something it really has career. been the
2: capstone of my career. I, I took the first one in 2008. The, 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 the genesis of the road trip, in my mind, was somewhere in the late 1900s. Time magazine put two journalists on the road and had them take U.S. Highway 50 from um, New, New Jersey to San Francisco and just kind of visit uh, real small towns all across the country and report on what was going on. You know, what's life really like in America? And that just captivated me. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to do something like that for pharmacies? So in 2008, um um, I was able to get sponsorship from Amerisource Bergen, the Good Neighbor Pharmacy Program, and organize, uh, you know, they they paid me several thousand dollars to do this. Uh, the NCPA, the American Pharmacists Association, agreed to publish the article. So my wife and I s- stuck our toes in the Atlantic Ocean, visited 30 pharmacies all across the country, Ended up on this, the Golden Gate Bridge, and I wrote three a three part series on the things that I had seen and heard in these pharmacies across the country, and uh, and it was a huge hit. Uh, it was well read, and people loved it. Uh, since then, uh, 30 was way too many in two and a half weeks. Since then, we've scaled it down. The next one was like 12. The next one was like 10. Um, probably my favorite one was Route 66 going from Chicago to, to Los Angeles. And, and I mean, what that brings up is just a couple things about some pharmacies that I have met that uh, on these road trips. And the beauty is, is I'm not selling anything. I'm there to listen and learn. And I just get to sit down and, and you know, tour the store, watch, you know, go around the community, meet the staff, and then ask the pharmacy owner a couple things about what he's doing. And, um, you know, from, from a, a real high level synopsis, The two or three major success characteristics, um, and I've included these in a number of my CE programs, is the owners of these successful pharmacies have a clean, well-organized pharmacy, front end, herb appeal, and pharmacy counter. They just pay attention to those details of how things look. And the bottom line is looks matter and neatness counts. And if your pharmacy is not attractive, you ought to concentrate on figuring out how to do that. The other question that came up, uh, Jeff Key from Pioneer Rx, uh, you know, interviewed me uh, oh, four or five months ago and asked this question because it's central to one of the things that he says about you have to work uh, in, on your pharmacy, not in your pharmacy. But he wondered of the... 200 and so pharmacies that I visited on these road trips, how many of them was the pharmacy owner able to sit down and talk with me? Um, The idea being is that he had an office, he had things run, the pharmacy could run without him filling prescriptions, and it is 100% of the 200 pharmacies that I have visited, where the pharmacy, for for one reason or another, the owner is able to leave the counter, able to leave the store, and the business continues, and the owner can figure out how to do new, more, and better things in order to generate income. So those are at least a couple tidbits that have distilled out of all of these uh, Conversed all of these visits. The last one um, is they figure out a way and you may remember we interviewed interviewed Chi Chi about six eight months ago and she talked about how she figured Mm -hmm. out how to get the Shingrix vaccine when nobody could get Shingrix vaccine and how she you know the analogy she used if the door won't open you know crawl through the window if you can't get through the window knock down the wall and she talked about how she went to the health department she went to Glaxo uh, executives she hounded People in the pharmacy, or the you know, in her state senator's office, and she ended up getting Shingrix when nobody could get Shingrix, and and that's an that's one of those things that jumps out from visiting all of these pharmacies is they figure out a way to get things done and you know as we are in the middle of the DIR apocalypse right now you know i i I've, I've talked to a couple people who are definitely hurting and definitely concerned um the 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 thing that i would say is um you know, I did, we can continue to hope and pray and work and fight to change the PBM paradigm. But the fact of the matter is that needs to be done. But you need to find something else to do as well. And, you know, the, the pathway for that is is opened. It's point of care testing. It's, you know, it's uh, uh, medical billing. It's, you know, uh, uh, providing other health care services. There are other things that you can do that will allow you to successfully operate a pharmacy and and I guess the last thing because we are going to run out of time the last passion that I have and it will go back to the things we started that I learned with medicine shop is a pharmacist is a first and foremost is a healthcare professional you are in the healthcare business you happen to have expertise in medications but the kinds of things that you can do as a healthcare provider and i know the word provider has different connotations as a healthcare professional are unlimited so weight loss and exercise and drug nutrient depletion and you know i you know i've been to pharmacies where they have massages in there where they've got ethicists in there where they're specialized in skin care there's something else you can do that is appropriate for you and will bring cash and um cash Cash is available. People will spend money. Yeah, it doesn't
1: always seem like it, but I I will take one of your lessons that I think is really profound. I have had the chance to sit through some of your CEs as you've been able to continue this message um, across the industry. But I remember one time you asked people to say, raise your hand if you pay to go to the spa or raise your hand if You have a yoga membership or a gym membership. Raise your hand if you do this. And it was never all of the people, right, in the room. But there was always somebody in the room who raised their hand. And I remember you saying, it's not about making something for everybody. It's making something for some people. And some people will pay, right? And if you find enough different things that some people will pay for you you can build a business off of that. So if I listened to you correctly, that was a takeaway I got I'm, from I'm, one of your. CDs, I'm glad you so.
2: remembered that, and um, th- thank you for sharing that. Um, I think we're going to run out of time here in another minute or two, Robin. So I'm going to say thank you and ask you to kind of wrap this up.
1: Yeah. No. I um, thank you for the opportunity to to let me kind of continue to learn, not just as a father to, to me, but as a, a mentor in this industry to, to me and, and many. So thank you for your passion. Thank you for what you do and keep on, keep
2: on doing well, and it. And then, you know, that's the back to the, back to the listeners, find a way, keep at it. Um, there's something else you can do that will open a door that will bring you success that you couldn't have imagined but it's going to take being bold, getting out of your comfort zone, and uh, and frankly, you know, going out and meeting people and building something that isn't there. Um, there, there's opportunity there, and things are changing so rapidly in the industry now that the old ideas um, won't work. The old principles still will. Um, so find a need and fill it and, uh, and put your all into it. And God bless you Thanks all. for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested your in talking and, with uh, Bruce, please uh, contact uh, the, the, the show. The the visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. Pharmacy, we look forward to hearing from you. That's it for today for Pharmacy Crossroads.